All right, everyone, welcome back. This is Ryan Selkis, and you're listening to Masari's Unqualified Opinions, where each week I interview crypto's top builders, investors, and personalities to discuss the key trends in the industry. You can discover more about Masari at masari.io. But for now, let's get right into the episode. It's going to be a good one. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Voyager. Trading cryptocurrency can be tough. I'm not just talking about making smart crypto investments. I'm talking about simply finding the right places to trade. Whether it's a lack of liquidity on key trading pairs, the risk of having your account shut down or coins compromised, or just feeling like a second-class citizen versus the exchange's accredited clients, the deck can feel stacked against you and other retail investors. That's why I'm excited to tell you about a brand new trading platform that just launched called Voyager. Voyager is a fast, 100% commission-free trading app, no bullshit, that helps you trade over 20 cryptos. Best part, Voyager is a licensed crypto broker, so you don't have to worry about your account getting terminated or losing access to coins you want to trade. Their new iOS app is crazy fast and routes your trades to a network of exchanges so you can get unmatched access to the crypto market and a better price on your trades without having to create multiple exchange accounts and take on that burden yourself. So check it out today. Sign up at investvoyager.com slash Masari to earn $25 worth of free Bitcoin when you download the Voyager iOS app and register. This podcast is presented by BlockWorks Group, one of the top blockchain events and media production companies I've worked with. For exclusive content and events that could help you with insight into the crypto and blockchain space, check them out at blockworksgroup.io and you will not be disappointed. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, I am your host, Ryan Selkis, at 2BitIdiot on Twitter. Feel free to jump in with questions if I can field them. Uh, really excited about the conversation today with Monica Quintance, uh, who's the head of research and networks at Kadena. Kadena's got a big Q4 coming up uh, with some product launches and, and going from testnet to mainnet to token distribution and, and, and everything in between. Has a pretty cool partnership with Cosmos that they're, we're going to talk a little bit about. Um, but I think first and foremost, we should probably just get to the elephant in the room, which is how many smart contract platforms do we actually need uh, <laughs> in this industry? And, and maybe talk a little bit about um, just how you got on this wild ride. So both, you know, kind of personal evolution into crypto and kind of what led us to this moment now. Uh, and then I'm sure we're going to spend most of the conversation going, going down the rabbit hole in Kadena. But uh, the first, Monica, um, how, how, how are we here? Why are, why are we why are we why here are too we meta here? maybe for Monday but, but but how are we here now? Um, what's, um, what's what's new? I think the answer to how many smart contract platforms we need is we just need one that works, mm-hmm. but we don't yet have one, which is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And how we're here, how I'm here is I was working as a systems engineer, and my friend Will called me up and said I'm leaving J.P. Morgan. We're making a smart contract blockchain. Do you want to come? And I was like, I've never made blockchain before, but let's do it. It's going to be great. And between all the research that they did, Will and Stuart J.P. Morgan, and the work that I did in probability research and distributed systems, we have come up with something that I think is really awesome. And all of our clients so far really seem to love it. And we're, we're taking our smart contract language packed and putting it on top of both a private blockchain and a public blockchain into one single platform. So you can make a single application 
that uses both private and public blockchain without having to worry about connecting different pieces to each other and this piece of software by this company and this piece of software by this company. It's just mm -hmm. a one-stop, one-deploy that actually works. And is this uh, based on the, the quorum research that JP Morgan did? Uh, where where did the dividing line come? Is it basically just, hey, we started with this, because it was built on Hyperledger initially, at least JP Morgan's project, right? This is, this is sort of a long story, but- it, it, Is it just a complete rewrite, or is there, is there any, like what's, what's the evolution from- uh, So once upon a time, there was a project called Juno. Mm -hmm. Juno, Will and Stu made Juno, and they originally submitted it to Hyperledger with the thought that this would become part of the Hyperledger Foundation. Mm -hmm. Hyperledger decided that they didn't want, for whatever reason, and I wasn't there so I can't speculate, but decided that they didn't want to incorporate Juno into their stack. And Will and Stu, they were, through a twist of fate, given the rights to Juno by J.P. Morgan with the understanding that they would open source it. They open sourced Juno and then left JP Morgan. Subsequently, JP Morgan developed an open source, uh, a fork of Ethereum that's designed to be used for private blockchain. So we never worked on Quorum, although there's definitely some, like we have a depth of knowledge related to Quorum, and I'm sure that people still call Will all the time asking for help with deploying Quorum because we are a team that has worked in the private blockchain space for a long time. But all of our work at Kadena is totally from scratch and has nothing to do with Ethereum, has nothing to do with Hyperledger, has nothing to do with Quorum, totally from scratch. How, how do you go about making that decision? I mean, I guess the die is cast uh, a couple of years ago uh, at this point. Now. Yeah. Um, but certainly now when you see Hashgraph and Solana and, uh, you know, ETH 2.0 and Polkadot and Cosmos, like, you know, all these other um, platforms that are, are, you know, either being deployed uh, in, in, in the next couple of quarters or, or have already been deployed. How do you think about um, just the education gap and, and developing any type of critical mass for developers that want to build on this new stack? Because there's 15 different teams that are saying we want to build a, like a blockchain that works, we want to build something that's not throughput but it's still secure, right? So, um, first, I'll, I'll, I'll let you do the marketing spiel. I'm like, okay, why is this actually better? Because I, 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 it kind of makes it we don't have to do the marketing spiel. No, no, you can do, all right. I'll keep it at like all right. Twenty, you have 20 seconds to do like the marketing bullshit, and then and then we'll, we'll talk about like the what seriously what I what I think is the greater challenge of. Um, how do you get people to care, right? Just because it's better, you know, you still have the values network effect. So first of all, you know, kind of why is it better? Um, and then how are you uh, tackling this, you know, massive on-ramp challenge that, that you're gonna, and, and all smart contract platforms will have? All right, so 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. The reason that we think that Kadena is better is because blockchain development should be really easy. It should be really simple. It should be like AWS for blockchain. You just one click and it works. And you don't have to worry about permissions and you don't have to worry about who can see my code, who can hack my contracts, who has the right to do these things. And your app, like everybody loves this idea of distributed everything and DeFi everything, mm -hmm. but there's sometimes where you don't want all of your app to be run on the blockchain. You don't want necessarily all of your computation done on a public blockchain. 
all of your storage on public blockchain. It's not safe, it's not secure, it's not, and it's costly to do storage. Gas mm -hmm. is expensive, gas storage is expensive. So private blockchain and public blockchain integrated into a hybrid blockchain with a single, easy, secure, smart contract language. We just want it to be easy for people to actually get over the threshold of using blockchain. And this is designed for businesses to use and not designed for hackers although I'm sure that you can do amazing hackable things with PACT if you really want to. So that's, that's it. Sorry, I just had this awkward moment and the listeners that think of this on iTunes and Spotify will know what happened. I just had a pop up on the screen. I want to make sure that this did, did, did not crash, <laughs> okay. um, which uh, uh, mid-answer. But um, so is both the private and the public uh, component of Kadena proprietary and something new or is the goal to ultimately uh, create the public infrastructure that allows any private permission blockchain to be built because um, interconnectivity is, is obviously and, and interoperability is obviously going to be a big theme the next couple of years as people figure out um, how can I use these various systems and are, are there certain protocols that are optimized for my specific use case? Um, if so, you know, where, where do I mm -hmm. ensure that there's security for this? Is there a way to kind of interoperate and plug and play? So you can think of Kadena, the public blockchain, as kind of a reverse Cosmos hub. Instead of it okay. being a thin layer that allows other blockchains, public blockchains, to communicate with each other, like Cosmos, it's a fat pipe that is a public blockchain that allows you to connect many other private blockchains or public blockchains in, but the computation can be done on the fat pipe of Kadena as a hub. And so right now we have Kadena, the private blockchain, and we're still coming up with a fancy name for it. For a while it was called Scalable BFT, but that's really hard to pronounce and not great for marketing. So I think we're going to come up with a new name for it. Mm -hmm. There's a Kadena private blockchain. And right now that's available on Azure and AWS, and that's also built by us and proprietary. And right now you need a licensing fee to use, and it's designed for high bandwidth enterprise, like you know, Fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. And that plugs in natively to Canadian Public. And then we also have a project with Tendermint. We're calling Cadenament. We got a grant from the, uh, the Inner Blockchain Foundation. Mm -hmm. And we put PACT on top of Tendermint. And so that's another way that people can use an open source private blockchain in order to connect to the Cadena. So what, what, are, what are some of the examples and, and, and use cases that you have I guess soft circle early on that, that will either come out shortly after launch or that have been you know experimented with on testnet. Um, I assume that there's a certain number of relationships and and you know other parties that have carried over from just the, the legacy backgrounds that the team has. Um, but but where in particular will the focus be, uh, and 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 especially for the next six months, I guess. Is there a sector? Is there a you know yeah. specific company? This dovetails with your question about on ramping mm -hmm. because the way that we have been approaching adoption for our platform is really focusing on people that have real business use cases that want to build something, but they've struggled with the existing offerings. Like they've tried to use Ethereum, but they they're it was too expensive to run a smart contract, or they couldn't get enough throughput. 
and, or they tried to use Stellar but realized that there were limitations in what the Stellar platform allows you to do inside the transaction. And these companies, we've been talking to them and working with them, and they've been testing on the private blockchain, writing their developing their packed code with the intention of launching once the public network is up. For example, we're working with a company called Remedy, which is spelled R-Y-M-E-D-I, because they're a startup and they can't spell mm -hmm. their name without a fancy spelling. Or they can't get a trademark. Yeah. Right. So they're working on a number of different projects related to either medical devices or like product products that you have to register with the government in some form because that tracking is really powerful when it comes to ascertaining the provenance of where did this product come from is it safe has it been tracked and that kind of information some of it they don't want necessarily to have all of the information on a public blockchain some of it's sensitive patient data, some of it's sensitive information, but they still want to be able to have an oracle to the public watching so they can say, you know, this thing was produced here, or this thing made it through these checkpoints, or it was inspected by this person at this time. So hopefully we're going to have product, a product on shelves by the end of this year that's registered on our blockchain through their project, which is going to be cool. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you what the product is yet, but... You can. <laughs> you won't tell anybody. Will they tell somebody? Um, well, I mean, the tree falls. So I mean, we, we need more people to subscribe and, and make sure that this um, uh, this is breaking news. Um, so uh, I'm always fascinated to learn uh, kind of what, if anything, new teams that are coming to market with a token have learned in general, but certainly in recent history. Um, about their rollout plans mm -hmm. um, and what, if uh, if anything, keeps you up at night, aside from the obvious, like, is this shit going to work, is anyone going to come, um, for each phase of, of this rollout. So so first of all, let's break down the milestones. So end of this month is... Ain't that much. Um, and then is there an interim between token distribution? Right, so when we launch Mainnet, it's a mining launch. Yep. And we're going to be mining for a month. And this is public mining, so anybody who's interested in mining, yep. join our Discord channel, you'll find out all the information about mining. And then after a month of mining, we're going to turn on transactions. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you'll be able to actually trade tokens on the network. And that should be around December 1st. And at that point, we'll, we consider that to be our full public launch. And we are talking to a token distribution, token sale platform about doing a token sale some point in October or November. So hopefully other people will be able to get their hands on so IEO? It's not an IEO because we're not doing this with an exchange. But we are the the structure of IEO I like because so you can go to coinlist.co <laughs> uh, for pre-registration. Um. Yeah, we're uh, we're working with coinlist, and they we're, it allows us to actually comply with securities regulations, which mm -hmm. I'm excited about because it means that we can get tokens into the hands of internationals and U.S. people. We're going to be running multiple different types of security sales, but. Yes. How um so you know block block stack uh, obviously has gone the full regular plus route um, and you know, we've spoken about some of the challenges of just having like securities holders as your users 
early on versus you know people who are just using it for consumptive purposes. I think there's one um, one school of thought or, or you know one um, group that I, me included that has a mental hangout. But how do you go from a security to a consumptive token, right? So how do you how do you think about designing early distributions um, in a way that will ultimately allow this network to be fully decentralized and you don't have to worry about the reporter requirements because it's just like ether and you know it's gotten too big for it to be That's governed by the That's a great SSS. question and the answer is we don't know. Mm -hmm. So we're going to attempt to comply with securities regulations as best as we can. That's uh as which is the harsh reality of doing is, things in the U.S. Yeah, it's just the harsh reality of doing things in the United States. But we uh, we do believe that you know we're U.S. employees mm -hmm. and we believe in innovation coming from the United States, and we're going to do our best as much as we can to comply with regulations. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Voyager. Trading cryptocurrency can be tough. I'm not just talking about making smart crypto investments. I'm talking about simply finding the right places to trade. Whether it's a lack of liquidity on key trading pairs, the risk of having your account shut down or coins compromised, or just feeling like a second-class citizen versus the exchange's accredited clients, the deck can feel stacked against you and other retail investors. That's why I'm excited to tell you about a brand new trading platform that just launched called Voyager. Voyager is a fast, 100% commission-free trading app, no bullshit, that helps you trade over 20 cryptos. The best part? Voyager is a licensed crypto broker, so you don't have to worry about your account getting terminated or losing access to coins you want to trade. Their new iOS app is crazy fast and routes your trades to a network of exchanges so you can get unmatched access to the crypto market and a better price on your trades without having to create multiple exchange accounts and take on that burden yourself. So check it out today. Sign up at investvoyager.com slash Masari to earn $25 worth of free Bitcoin when you download the Voyager iOS app and register. Well, uh, I wish you the best of luck <laughs> because I think uh, most uh, most folks in the U.S. at least privately are, are having conversations of should we relocate internationally um, just to do business. Uh, we'll try to play by the rules, but if that is impossible, do we have to move? Um, and it's 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 crazy that that um, you know people talked about that potentially happening. I'm seeing that more and more, and uh, you know at least behind closed doors. No one wants to say that to the SEC. Because then it makes it gives you this the optics of the project. You're like, oh, well, you just don't abide by you know existing laws and regulations. It's no, we can't functionally operate long term. If, if, if it's definitely a difficult balance. Yeah. Um, how um, so? How do you think about distribution uh, in, in terms of you know just size and percentages and, and managing a, a gradual. Um, process because we've seen other launches recently, we won't name names, where it's 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 a fucking disaster, right? Um, <laughs> because you have like the early uh, investors that have incentives to sell as quickly as possible if they see okay, ten percent of the tokens are now liquid, ninety percent still has to be sold. I'm up five x. I don't really care if like the more recent investors are break even or, or you know going to lose a little bit of money. Um, and we've seen a couple of situations where the you know the price just tanks. Um, and after a certain point, who comes to buy those tokens if everybody's just getting their face ripped off? Well, <laughs> call me naive, and you can. Yeah. But we one are not 
selling our tokens at a significant premium to the price that we sold it to investors. There's okay. no like massive investor discount. And the investors that have been with us for the long haul, mm-hmm. almost two years now for some of them, we chose them because we don't think that they're the kind to do a pump and dump. Mm-hmm. We hope, fingers crossed, that the investors that we chose, and we chose a very small amount, are with us because they think that we are valuable in the long term. And part of that strategy is we're not launching to a place where we're going to have like a 50x for our mm-hmm. initial investors and I'm hoping that they're going to stick it out with us so that we can see the kind of sustained growth over the long term. We want to be a stable whole Do you know, do you know what the markup would be? Round over round? Uh, or has that not been fully contemplated with, with the project? I don't know what we have decided to do with the listing price, but because even if it's not fifty x, right? You know, there there are you know, we we see kind of secondary activity, which technically you can't do with SaaS, but people are making you know giant leaps of faith that they're just going to be able to unwind these IOUs on the OTC market. And you see things like Telegram and Filecoin and, and other SaaS um, still trading hands, and, and like markets are being made. Um, but in many cases, it's well below the last public sale. Um, and it's not necessarily 10x or even 5x in, in some cases. So um, I, I wonder what type of, of you know, thinking goes into that as, as you bring in the new crop of investors. And this one would be much wider, right? If you're going through CoinList uh, or doing an IEO or anything, uh, the goal is to, you know, we've, we've hit these milestones, we have the main net. We want to bring as many people in the fold as possible now. That first, or maybe not the first, but that next group and that kind of first public cohort, uh, it almost feels like it's more important than the uh, getting really private investors, right? It could be. And I don't know what the right answer is in terms of finding who those people are, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping that it's going to be the people that have been following us all along. That They've been waiting for us to release to the point where this is publicly available, and that it's not just going to be people that like see us on some Telegram list of like things to buy, but rather they actually believe in the future of the project. How do you think about um, so? This is a, a different spin on my first question, right? There's there's dozens of smart contract platforms now. We talked about just mindshare in general. Um, how do you how do you navigate um, the fundraising process when it seems like many people are just totally gassed and like fatigued from like 2007 IT, ICO fever? Mm-hmm. Um, and now you've, you've also got the dynamic of, okay, well, if this is a security um, and I'm signing up for a registration process or, or some exemption that, that CoinList manages, um, how um, how do, how do these new wave of investors feel about that? And is there really a market for that? Or is, is most of the retail, uh, is most of the market still split between retail speculators that are going to use some offshore exchange and professional funds that are going to just buy and hold and wait for, for several years? Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm trying to figure out like what that middle market looks like because I haven't seen it, but obviously you all are bullish on existing. Well, we're, we're also not necessarily looking to do The goal of this sale is to get tokens into the hands of people who want to provide some additional market liquidity and want to experiment with the platform. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to be in the realm of like five to ten million. 
it's not like you know which is a percentage is what how what what is this how does supply dynamics work so the total supply of the market at 120 years we mine out like bitcoin mm -hmm. is one billion tokens mm -hmm. but that doesn't happen until long after we're all gone the 10-year mark is 500 million tokens and the five-year mark is 300 million tokens so selling five million and the first year it's like something around 25 to 30 million tokens mine out in the first year mm -hmm. so we're selling a bare fraction of what we expect to see coming out in the first five years uh and how much is to be mined then so we'll walk up to the mining 70 percent mine out over the total network over all time and the remainder is held in a lockup in a trust yep. and all of that is going to be codified into the smart contract that generates all of the tokens for the platform so anybody can go and see that we're not going to like smash and grab and run away with the tokens that they're actually held in a lockup that's, that's how uh, remind me how's mining done mining is done like uh like bitcoin <laughs> just straight mining we're using a form of blake as our mining algorithm so it is fully proof of work fully proof of work um and this can be done on gpus so yes. uh for the foreseeable future anyway right yes. if you have if you ever have an basic problem that will be Mission accomplished, right? Or, right. If we or have an easy problem, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, be a great development for the network. Yes, exactly. Um, so uh, I guess uh, news just came out this morning about the Crypto Ratings Council. What is a crypto? Uh, Sorry, I've been watching the news. Which uh, which Coinbase and and, uh, and Circle and, and Bitrex and several of the other U.S. exchanges and, and uh, major crypto uh, financial companies have, have seen the back where they're trying to come up with a rating score based on how likely it is something will be deemed to be a security. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, and they have a one to five score, one being not a chance, that would be Bitcoin, and five being uh, definitely a security. Right? <laughs> um, and I think I think Ripple was like a four or something like that, and then Bitcoin was a one. So that those are your parameters. And I can't remember who they kind of singled out as like, these are clearly securities. I think it might have been like Maker and Polymath or something. Um, how, um, how would you think about like your own rubric for uh, today? This is a secret. First of all, should this, even though you're registering it uh, under uh, SEC exemptions, um, or sorry, not registering, but you're, you're you're completing this fundraise under certain SEC exemptions, so you're basically saying this is going to be treated like a security, at least for the short uh, short haul. Where where do you think you fit today? Even if you just sale is going to be treated okay. as security because yeah. we have not yet launched the network. Okay. And the we are aiming to be as Bitcoin like as humanly possible. Okay. And trying to abide. So this will be the last one. Everything else is supposed to go to miners, at least in theory. In in theory, this should be the last sale that we need to register mm -hmm. because. When we launch the network, we are going, the goal is to be completely decentralized, that all code changes have to go through miners, that everybody has to accept that this is what a distributed mining pool looks like. Mm -hmm. We're aiming to have projects actually using the platform, that it's not just speculative currency trading, but it's actually something that people are actively using for something. This is why we've been so careful to try to make sure that we have products that are launching on the platform as soon as possible. 
and global token holdings, global token distribution. That's not just, you know, we made a thing in order to make money off of it. We've been very careful to try to be as how we test compliant as possible. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll, uh, we'll be as Bitcoin-like as possible. Uh, so you'd say on the day one, you're not even going to go into the numerical scale, but, uh, but, but how, do you, how do you get closer to a one versus a, if, if Ripple, if XRP is only a four, we'll give you guys a four, right? So we'll cascade down from there. Um, what, are, what are key milestones that you think about um, in making this less and less security-like over time? So, I mean, at some point, maybe even the, the Kadena, is it the Kadena Foundation or Kadena? Inc? There, there will be a foundation okay. once upon a time. I'm um, not sure. So there will also be a company as yes, well? Yes, there okay. will um, so the goal is not to just discontinue those over time or kind of phase them out. Uh, these will be going concerns for, for the remaining uh, foreseeable future. Well, we, nobody knows how you get from Ethereum started to the SEC decided that Ethereum wasn't a security. Mm -hmm. right? Nobody knows how to navigate those gray waters. And so we're trying to do the best that we can. And the things that I think about when we think about are you a security or are you not a security, it's, you know, does the benefit clearly accrue back to the people who made what you're making? How much are they in control of the future of this project? And like, you know, if Vitalik says this is what's going to happen, is that what, what actually happens or just do miners actually have to come to sort of consensus mm -hmm. and is what you've made actually useful for something or are people just using it to speculate on value? Uh, that's all that we've talked about pretty much <laughs> in this conversation and I'm sure you probably like secretly hate me a bit inside but this is kind of a little bit this is not that secret. All right, so yes exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you're good about that um, I, I do. I do think it's important. You know, we're, we're kind of in a. What um, do you think about when you think about securities tests? Uh, I think that the SEC uh, tries very hard, um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, and uh, not in a productive manner. Uh, so I, uh, it doesn't really matter. I, I guess. So the reason. The reason. You know, I think we as a company track a lot of this information, which is obviously why we're talking about it. Um, the industry also though, is, is just kind of in a period of um, where the infrastructure is being built. And one criticism I think that internally and externally is, is pretty common is um, are people just building solutions to problems that don't exist? So it's almost like everybody's building in anticipation that like the next app will come, right? If you build it, it, it will come because we saw some of this activity in 2017, but we knew that a lot of what was getting built wasn't going to be sustainable to to trade or, or you know build an ecosystem around because we just weren't there yet. This has been the infrastructure build. Now you've got this next cycle of the chicken and the egg problem, like of of how does this actually become? Uh, interesting and useful beyond just speculation. So we'll talk a little bit about that because uh, maybe we've already lost everybody. Like, I don't want to talk about securities and shit. Like, um, so what 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 do you um, think about? Um, we talk about user education and, and getting people you know just knowledgeable about how this particular stack works. Um, how how do you as a single project or, or kind of us as an ecosystem? 
Think about you know leveling up third-party developers um, and getting them excited to build something on any crypto protocol right now. Like let's just start there. Forget about the battle between you know ETH 2.0 and, and like Ethereum. Like they have all the mindshare right now. Polkadot and Cosmos you know came out. They've got a little bit of mindshare and then kind of everybody else um, is is trying to follow suit and do the same. Um, but almost none of them have real tinkerers yet because they're not locked. How do you, how do you even go from zero to one uh, in a bear market that has been persistent and shows no clear end in sight? Not to be a complete downer. This is what you're up against. Uh, Good our focus has been <laughs> on companies that have a vision on something they want to create. Mm-hmm. Companies that share our vision of what we think Kadena could be, what we think blockchain could be. Mm-hmm. And for example, one of them is a company that originally did the first oil ETFs in the early 2000s. It's a company called USCF. Mm-hmm. And USCF wants to make a brand new type of tradable asset on the blockchain. And so we've gone to the SEC with them and talked to the SEC about how the structure would work and what it would look like on our platform. And we hope that in Q1 or Q2 of next year, we will be able to trade a traditional asset on the Kadena blockchain through USCF. Mm -hmm. And they understand the power of transformative technology because once upon a time, they made the first ever exchange tradable fund for a traditional asset. And so, like they and Remedy. Remedy understands the potential for transformative technology. My dream with Remedy is that someday we can actually have patient data on the private blockchain that you can then have some sort of authorization to transmit it to a doctor or transmit it to a hospital and that you as a person can actually own your own healthcare data, which is something that can only happen on a private blockchain that allows you to go back and modify smart contracts, which and as far as I know, we're the only ones who let you do that right now. Yeah, and, and, and that's an important point because um, this, you know, patient data is a perfect example, but even in financial data, right, most enterprises don't want their stuff getting traced by like a chain analysis or, or equivalent. Right? Yeah. You, have, you have certain uh, privacy policies in place, you've got certain, you know, issues around just trade secrets and, and maintain confidentiality um, where it kind of becomes possible to use crypto protocols, blockchain protocol for anything other than settlements uh, and you know, security and, and interoperability. So I buy that. Um, There's definitely a power in public blockchain and the mm-hmm. ability to have you know cross-border payments and instant settlements and being able to, to have reach into new markets. But there's also a, a danger there that you're opening yourself to risk, you're opening yourself to scrutiny, and you really don't want that kind of, of risk in a, a real business. And so this hybrid of private and public blockchain, that's what we, when we go out to businesses, we say, look, you've heard about blockchain, but you've never seen a blockchain like this. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've spent a lot of time talking to Businesses, traditional businesses that have an interest in branching out into new technology, or technology companies that are interested in moving into a new business sphere, and less time just talking to app developers yep. because they often, even though they love our tech, don't necessarily have a, a clear idea of what they want to do with it. I'd much rather talk to somebody who has a project, and then we can give them the tools to make it happen. 
Makes sense. Um, well, we haven't seen it in a while either yet. There's uh, anybody, but that's coming very soon, uh, which is why we're having a conversation. Only because you haven't downloaded our private blockchain, which has all of the features that you can do on, on the public blockchain. Well, I, I, I see. I'm still looking for a use case, right? So, uh, so here, here outlines the problem uh, for, for at least you know, us as a company. Uh, so if people want to get involved, how, how can they reach you? How can they start tinkering around with the testnet uh, in anticipation of launch this one? So you can go to pact.canadian.io if you want to download all of our tools. And that's P-A-C-T. -A mm -hmm. And the Discord channel has everybody. All the developers, I'm there, Will is occasionally there. And November, mid-November, we should be coming out with a new version of our desktop wallet, which is also basically an IDE for developers to go in and be able to manipulate things. And we should have a few games coming out on testnet soon within the next couple months or so, so that people can actually go in and start to mess around and see what we can do with the platform. Okay, thank you for joining <laughs> Thanks, uh, and for putting up with me, as, so, as uh, all of my guests, uh, for better or for worse, have to do. Um, so uh, check out Kadena. Uh, this is uh, my acquaintance, and uh, follow her on Twitter, Quaint M. Um, and follow Kadena at Kadena underscore IO. Uh, keep an eye out for all their new developments coming up in the next few weeks here. Are you going to be at DEF CON? I'm going to be at DEF CON. And you can see the team at DEF CON, uh, and including me and some of the Sorry team as well. Uh, we'll be wearing our, our big white t shirts. So um, until next time, thanks again for tuning in. Peace. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Unqualified Opinions go live weekdays at noon Eastern Time. You can follow me in the meantime on Twitter at 2BitIdiot if you want to continue the conversation or troll me. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.